0: you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I am Dana. I know that I always say this. Seriously, top of every episode, I say you are really in for a treat. (laughs) But it's so true. It's so true. You really are in for a treat. And I am such a lucky lady to call today's guest my friend, and to get to learn from her, and whoa, I am very excited to share this episode because it's super special, but honestly, I could have hit record on any of the conversations that I've had with our guest today, Michelle Dorrance, and that recording would have made an Apple Top 100-worthy podcast for sure. She's simply that special and so well-spoken, and I'm excited to get right into it. But first, some announcements. You thought I was going to say wins, didn't you? <laughs> no, wins come after announcements here at Words That Move Me. Get it together. Um, So have your wins ready because we're almost there. All right, a few reminders. My career coaching program for seniors of the class of 2022, which is called ABC, as in like the building blocks of a creative career. <laughs> Um, That program begins in less than one week, and we are a full house, so I am so, so, so sorry if you didn't make it, but also so excited to get started. Um, The last two years of this intensive have been so rewarding, fulfilling, and whoa. Yo, especially after having this conversation with Michelle, I am jazzed to put my coach hat on. Um, And I'm so stoked for you lucky seniors. Um, If you missed the cutoff, or if you are not a senior, there are still loads of ways that we can work together. Visit wordsthatmoveme.com to learn more about the Words That Move Me community membership and one-on-one coaching and, and, and so much more. Wordsthatmoveme.com. It's in the show notes. Okay. That's ABC. Now let's talk eight counts. (laughs) <laughs> we, the members of the Words That Move Me community, made a film to introduce ourselves to those who don't know who we are and what we do and how we do it. And we call it Eight Counts, the Words That Movie, and we're having a big old screening event to celebrate and raise money for future projects through our fiscal sponsor, the Dance Resource Center, Who Freakin' Ray, y'all. I am jazz. I'm so excited. I know that that was already a lot of information, but if you have the bandwidth for more, the premiere is on June 16th. Doors are at 6.30, show starts at 7, at Lem Lemley, Lemel, Lemley, Lemel. <laughs> you know the one, the Lemley, I think that's how you say it. Lemley Theater in Glendale. Uh, we will also be screening works from a few of our friends and having a a panel q a with the filmmakers afterwards Um, we're also auctioning off over three thousand dollars worth of goodies and surveys that's goodies and services but goodies and surveys come on um and we are having an after party so you don't want to miss this link to the tickets will be in the show notes to this episode And in our Instagram profile. So go visit us at words that move me podcast on Instagram. Check out the show notes. Um, Oh, and if you are an out of town type, you will be able to stream the event. Yeah, freaking who, double yeah, freaking who, moving right along. Um, let's see. Oh yes. Oh, my friends. Yes. Today I am celebrating drum roll, please a clean house and wait for it, drum roll again, that I didn't clean myself. I didn't clean it myself. Yes, I paid a cleaning person who might also be an actual wizard because my place literally sparkles and I'm so happy. Um, and with all of the hours that I wasn't cleaning my house, I was, in Teddy Forence's words, crushing it on a Sunday. (laughs) I was getting work done, I was getting play done. Ooh, so satisfying. Such a great use of my dollars, such a great use of my time. Um, Speaking of dollars, during the Money March episodes, we talk about budgeting and fixed expenses, and y'all, I am ready to budget so a cleaning person fits into my fixed expenses. I am here for it, loving it, okay. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. What is going well in your world? Hit me. Yay! Wow! Congrats, my friend. I'm so glad that you're winning. Um, keep it up. Keep crushing it on a Sunday. Okay, enough about us, my friend. Let's talk about Michelle Dorrance. And let's talk about her parents, because they factor in, in a big way, into this episode. Uh, You are about to get almost an hour of solid Dorrance gold, my friends. So hold tight and clear your calendar, because this one is worth a second listen. (laughs) Truly, I did, back to back, two times. She is simply so knowledgeable. She shares so much. She's so generous. All right, we're doing it. Enjoy this conversation with the one and only Michelle Dorrance. Yes, Michelle Dorrance. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, my friend. This is so long overdue. I am thrilled that you are joining me today. Uh, uh, Welcome. Hi. (laughs) Hi. I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Dana. Like, I am telling you the diatribes that are about to to that are about to follow. So, okay, Michelle, I'm trying to remember exactly when we met. Do you remember, or do you know how I? Because in my mind, it's through Jillian, and then and we met when the seaweed sit- sisters. Whoa, the seaweed sitters, uh, were. Putting on a show, uh, a live performance at Tongava Park. And I think that you were in California, you met us in Santa Monica, we sat on a bench, and you helped us figure out our art barf blurbit that explains who, what, are the Seaweed sisters. And I just remember being like so floored by your intel by your intellect and your like passion for. Not only dance, movement, art of all forms, but like explaining it and helping people understand what that is. So I can't think of a better person to have on the podcast. Um, And is that when we or we knew of each other for long before then? Yeah,
1: that's the truth. And also, Dana, that was such a thrill to be able to intersect with y'all on that particular day. I mean, first of all, of course, I was a fan. Um, But that's the like the stuff no one talks about that is trash to do. Mm-hmm. To, and also feels it feels forced and it feels contrived to have to like blurb your art in a soundbite. Oh. And so because, oh. and because of, yeah, because of, you know, like that, ex- having experienced that discomfort many times over about different pieces of work, mm-hmm. because of the way I have been intersecting with the art world of late, th- those kinds of things always have to be written. And, and so I had such deep empathy for all of you anyway. But yes, we'd known of each other for a really long time. And what I'll tell you is we did not meet this night, but I will tell you the story of when I first saw you and knew who you were as like immediately a layered being an artist. And it was at a get ready for all of these details.
0: Oh my god, I'm so ready for the a details. Party
1: surrounding, yeah, no, no, this is weird. And no, because I don't even know if we've ever talked about this. We okay, Pam of the Pulse. Yes. Had people at her apartment. I want to say that had a relationship to either the teacher workshop that summer or just homies that who were in town because of that particular thing that was happening that summer. Mm -hmm. You and Taja Mm
0: -hmm. were
1: there and also had only very, very recently embarked upon moving dancers Alliance into reality. This is my understanding, at least in the moment. Okay, And so I knew of you through Mache Petronelli, who also admired your dancing. And so I'd seen some videos and then further understood that evening, that's what you were up to. And I was like, oh, hell yes. Um, and then we never met. I was like, that's cool. That's like exactly the kind of commercial dance artist I believe in, in part because of that kind of the, the integrity that you had for and in support of your community.
0: So that's like the
1: long story for me.
0: Work. Thank you for saying that because (laughs) community is a huge part of what I want to talk about today. Um, But before we talk about community and mastery and all sorts of good stuff, we're going to talk about you. Um, Please introduce yourself. Tell us everything you want us to know about you. And we'll probably stop there. I certainly don't want you to tell us anything you don't want us to know about you. Um, But yeah, I, I yield the floor. Wow. Okay. So hi
1: everyone. I'm Michelle Dorrance. Um, First and foremost, I'm a tap dancer. And as a tap dancer, I am a musician. I'm also a choreographer and a director, artistic director, and founder of a company I created uh, 11 years ago known as Dorrance Dance. Um, And I am honestly, the thing that I'll say about me um, in part in relationship to this conversation is I am the daughter of two really incredible powerhouse human beings. Um, incredibly hardworking, both very talented. My mom was a professional ballet dancer, and you know, danced with National Ballet with Elliott Feld's first company before moving into being a powerhouse educator and you know, teaching full time at Duke University as a professor of the practice of dance, and also founded a school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, where I was raised. And that school she founded before I was a year old. And um, I know, right? She's just like, sorry, Dana's shaking her head for everyone who can't see. um, And of course, like founded performing companies. Anyway, I learned so much from my mom as a dancer and a creator and a choreographer and a human being and someone who is constantly also in service of so many different communities of people from our local arts and dance community to our church to just human beings in need. Um, and my dad is one of the winningest coaches in sports history and what was is the founding coach of the University of North Carolina women's soccer team. He used to coach the men, but then also one of the early coaches of the U.S. women's national soccer team. Um, and led that team to the very first ever Women's World Cup um, win, and also it was the first ever Women's World Cup. I was 11. I got to see the whole thing with my own eyes in Guangzhou, China, which is insane. I know we can talk about that at some point, but I say that to say my parents have everything to do with my understanding of mastery, excellence, hard work, um, just uh integrity in what you try to pursue or hope to pursue or hope to embody and then furthermore i am a student a lifelong student of gene medler my childhood mentor um who founded originally the children's tap company that turned into the north carolina youth tap ensemble and he has everything to do with the tap dancer artist human being um you know also hopefully, um, Artist in Pursuit of Excellence for the rest of my life. Um, and all three of them have to do with the educator ed, educator I am, et cetera. So, um, and I say that and also just want to honor the fact that I'm just a very lucky tap dancer of my generation because I can't tell you how, you know really a lot of the last elders and masters of the jazz era were alive and passing away through my teen years and twenties and then, you know, finally eventually, you know, early thirties, but to have spent time with those elders, with those masters, um, in part because Gene took us as such young dancers to these original tap festivals like in St. Louis and Chicago in order to spend time with these folks and um, you know, basically be imprinted upon by them and spend just spend time with them and absorb. I mean, you know, we, we all talk about seeking the source whenever we're talking about kind of understanding something in its purest form and embodying something with the most integrity you can possibly have. And I can't believe I've I had just time with those sources, whether it was like talking trash to each other or literally you know in their 90s doing something you never thought was possible. So I that's really I've created a lot. I've I've been so lucky to collaborate with so many great folks and and dance all over the damn world and teach and and like all of those things are great but like I can't believe how blessed I am at my core and like my you know quote origin story as an artist is just a very incredibly lucky blessed privileged one. Um and that is really like the definition that I think is most important.
0: That was a glorious introduction. Also, I'm learning about you so much right now. I knew about your mom and dad. Um, I knew about, it's the ballet school of Chapel Hill, right? So yeah, that's the absolutely. School, so that's the school your mom founded, and, my mom and that's started, where you started. It then became
1: that's, a home of tap dance, right? Like and, a, and like crazy new community of tap dancers in North Carolina that would never have existed were it not for Gene Medley. Sorry, keep going. And I interrupted. No, this
0: is great. <laughs> um, so this is, this is news to me. This is awesome. But also, I really, I relate with you in the feeling of being so lucky in my timing and placement on my journey of dance and pursuing excellence in it. Um, The people that I met early on, even meeting you, I definitely include you in that. But the people that I met early on, like I'm talking like Shabadoo, Tony Basil, um, like I got to learn what became my favorite style locking, which I didn't even know existed yeah. when I moved to LA, I came to learn about it from the people who were there at the beginning. And that opportunity is, is not there for so many young people right now. So certainly in, yeah. I am with you on the lucky front and also on the enthusiasm front, I'm just so excited about it and I can't <laughs> wait to dig in. Oh, Sorry backtrack. You're also the first ever (laughs) MacArthur Genius Grant Award winner I've ever had on the podcast. So we have, (laughs) uh, wait, do we call it is the, is the genius grant award, is that what makes you a fellow or is the MacArthur? No, they don't is it, is it the use that thing?
1: language. That's like the social, um, you know, that's, that's, whether what it's a, that's that it. social <laughs> blessing and curse language surrounding it. Um, yes, they, the, the foundation just, uh, calls you a MacArthur fellow. Okay. Um, and, and it is, and it is a, a title that is way bigger and deeper and vaster than me. <laughs> and I feel like I am a part of a larger community that is represented by that title. It's truly an honor to be a fellow, of course.
0: Like, to be deemed a genius is sort of like to be deemed a master. We're all like, no way, Jose, not me. A master? A genius? No. And I think everybody that I've spoken to on the subject of mastery is like, whoa, I don't know if I'm that, but, like, let's dig into it. Like, let's talk about it. Um, anyways, if... If the MacArthur Foundation is down to call you a fellow, then I'm down to call you a master, and I'm down to at least discuss what to us mastery means, the pursuit of it, um, you know what what that looks like, and also one thing I really want to dig into with you is how to do that without being a complete asshole to other people. Right. How to like right. become a master yourself, but also elevate a community around you. So, I'm excited to get into that. Um, but where was I? Oh right, I reached out to you because you have Dorian stance. You've done the blurbits, you've written the words, you've gotten the grants, you've put on, if I'm not mistaken, 2 to 3 full-length works every year since 2011. Like you've done eight. I wouldn't go that amount. far,
1: but a lot there's a, a lot so of ma- work. You're very right.
0: prolific and that work is I mean, it's funded, right? Doran Stance is a 501c3, or you're always writing for grants. Like, how? where does that money come from? How do you do that? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's that's a part of it. You know, uh, constantly fundraising. This is the thing about any 501c3, which technically is some form of, you know, charitable foundation. So in this case, we ask for support for mm-hmm. the particular work that we pursue, right, in the name mm-hmm. of tap dancing, creativity, and pushing boundaries and pushing ourselves, Um, And of course, engaging audiences and all those things and, um, you know, spreading hopefully the love, joy, understanding, and respect for our art form. Um, But yes, writing the grants and seeking the support of individual donors of foundations of all of those things is a a a huge part of what makes the entire thing possible.
0: Right. And that's work that you do in addition to choreographing and still performing. And I mean, people say that it's a full-time job but this is multiple full-time jobs let's be real um but I reached out to you when I was trying to decide if I wanted to 501c3 did I want fiscal sponsorship I'll spoil the surprise I am now fiscally sponsored through the Dance Resource Center which is awesome I feel great about it but when but when I called to like kind of unpack like what are the differences what does this even mean um you you Talk to me about how excited you were that I was going to be coaching people and you told me about your dad. And my mind was freaking blown. I cannot believe I that well, I can believe that he's your dad. It makes sense because I think you're a great leader. But could you tell us some of the lessons that you've learned directly from him and maybe talk a little bit about his 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 mode of achieving mastery of things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, if anything, you know, as I mentioned before, like there's such a, um, like an example set for me by both my parents and of course by Gene. Um, and then so specifically because my dad is a coach, there is so much language surrounding what he does. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, in, um, I, I'm just going to guess it was early on in his coaching career that he also became a pretty sought after public speaker. So, and he, but I think also in part because of his experience, um, and I'll get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of the early experience that he, like, I think one of the first major, um, I guess, points of expertise that he had was a, a perspective on the difference between coaching and motivating men and women, right? And this is like, maybe a more polarizing conversation to have now in, in terms of the way that we are like, pursuing you know a, an understanding a deep understanding of non-binary and gender fluidity inside of our culture um but you move it back to the late 70s early 80s and this shit is real um am I allowed to swear on this I'm so sorry
0: yes I'll be careful <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we've met, but I certainly have been known to drop Shut a it. drop a drop a small <laughs> handful of f bombs. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I'm here, take I'm it great. away. We'll, I didn't we'll know do if I some, was trying
1: to be mindful. Thank
0: you. We'll do some bleepage.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Um, but so I I, I mention I I say this to say that um, it's and this is a really actually a, an important point of intersection of something that you mentioned already and that you texted me about when we were leading up to this. And it has to do with um like th- the energy and the culture of a team and what drives winning in different personalities or different kinds of people and what motivates um, competition. Right. And so in the very early stages of coaching both the men and the women at the university of North Carolina. And then later the national team at one point, he was coaching all three teams, which was insane. We didn't see him much back then. Um, But with that said, he at first just started coaching the women exactly the way he coached the men in part because, so this is during the time of title IX happening like that his t- this his women's team he basically accepted a full-time position from a part-time position coaching the men they're like how about come get to full-time and coach these women whose club is applying to be a full team under you know the new exciting progress that title nine was making at all these universities right so and the way he describes these er- the early women's teams just scrappy you know dogged in their pursuit of everything badasses is tough as nails. I mean, like all these athletes of this time period are, were exceptional and could not be stopped. And it's, it's incredible to, you know, still hear these stories. Um, but what he realized was, um, it was, um, miserable, uh, application of the way he coached men on his women's team. It, it was not helpful. It didn't work. He couldn't walk in at halftime and kick a trash can and have them go out and win, you know, f- by four, you know, goals. Like he, if anything, um, he learned all these incredible subtleties and, you know, uh, started defining, you know, the female race as a more sophisticated, more sensitive, more developed, more, you know, all these things, trashing men constantly because, you know, in in, in little, you know, little and big things like um, you you compliment a man in front of the group and they all support him. You compliment a woman in private because if you compliment them in front of the group, everyone hates her, you know, like th- these Ooh. little idea, And then these are, these are, these are also like, I'm oversimplifying things and rem- a reminder, this is the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that you criticize a group of men and every man thinks it's someone else. So you have to use videotape, like always you criticize a group of women. Every woman thinks it's them.
0: Totally. Um, oh, like I've just been, the- yeah. these are
1: mass, these are gross generalizations, but like, you know, so so he was speaking early, learning how to motivate um, his women's team, learning about the culture of a women's team. And there was a recruit that he had, and this is where I'll get into it, the arrogance asshole thing that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He had a recruit that kept asking him on her way into, and this was like, by the way, like a pioneer in, in the women's game and was eventually the captain of the U.S. Women's National Team when they won in the World Cup. Her name is April Heinrichs. But she kept asking him how the team got along. And he's like, they're fine. They get along fine. Like, what? You know, I don't know. Why is she even asking me this? And he realized what it was. When she came in, she, in every drill and every one, one V one and every single at every single opportunity, she beat the shit out of whoever her opponent was on her, on the team, because she trained with the fire of endless competitive nature Mm -hmm. and all of the women resented her, everyone on the team. And he realized, oh she has been disliked for this quality. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we build an environment in which this quality is championed? Um, and and then, so there, you know, then he embarks upon like the pursuit of how to create this environment. He built something called the competitive cauldron. We can go into, and also, you know, at some point you should just like talk to my dad because there's just such great stuff to be, learned from his environment even though it's very specific to the sport of soccer but also then largely it is specific to any sport and then even more largely it's about training as he would say on your technical and physical edge and how do you always push yourself to this particular edge um and so a lot of it has to do you know it's just about the environment Oh. Um, you know, even, even the length of the practice, right? Like some folks would practice for two to three hours. He kept his practices at an hour and a half so that everyone would give every single thing they had the entire time. You sprint in when you, when you jog in from a drill, you sprint out, you you know, everything. So I know, right.
0: It's great. I'm I love it. Like, so my jaw's on the floor <laughs> for a couple reasons. Number one, because let's be real, dancers are athletic but of course we're athletes dance isn't sports though and art is fun and art is a game and you you can play it like you can you can be good at playing this thing that we do um but also art art is not sports but that sensitivity about creating environments where people can learn and grow and feel like they're winning that is huge to me like that's huge to me um And I've always enjoyed teaching because of that. Uh, And I always, I think it's such a shame when young dancers put way out there, like at the 50-yard line, totally don't understand sports at all. Is that as far as it goes? 50? Is that the furthest?
1: 50s in in football, that's the middle of the... uh, Oh, okay.
0: So 100. Put it way out there. (laughs) (laughs) But when young dancers put a gig, like let's say a world tour, out there at 100 yards and they think that's winning and Hmm. they will be all various degrees of miserable in the pursuit of that thing unless we have some healthy competitive ideas, some ownership over our own work and and training. Uh, But it's funny because dancers, although they usually are cast together right you have a company of dancers obviously we have soloists but dancing is the pursuit of becoming a master of dance is a solo activity that's on you right that's on you you train with other people competition really helps but at the end of the day it's the individual their willingness their instruction right like having or not having great teaching is a huge part of it um but i'm really interested in this like This idea that a person, a coach, a leader, the artistic director, the choreographer, whoever, a leader can have a finger on the pulse of the environment. We'll call it the energy in the room and make small adjustments that really help. Um, So now I want to bounce out to last time I was in New York. By the way, I always hit you up when I'm in New York, even if it's only if I'm only there for like 24 hours, because you get like good grub, good people and great Dancing, and last time I hit you up, you were like, "I've got a rehearsal all day today. You can swing by if you want." You were wor- working with Josette Wiggins, and that's right. Yes, and I got at, to- at the ninety two Y. Yes, um, and I just got to drop in and observe. And one of the things I observed is that you. We're doing so many things. You welcomed me. You helped me sign in. You filmed rehearsal. You were capturing little bits for Instagram. You were logging the hours as a dancer, like you were in the core learning the stuff. Um, And because Josette was it was her choreography, she was running the show. And I saw you fit into those different roles so seamlessly. Is that something that you are very conscious about, or is this something that you've simply developed because you have to do all the things in order for the things to get done? Um, like, is this totally outsider's perception of what's happening or how does it feel on the inside? I just asked 14 that's, questions. That's, I know i receive received <laughs> those questions. Um,
1: and, and I think it's like, it's a combination of, of, of course, of answers. But one thing I can tell you is that in, this is something that, um, analyzing gene's praises a little bit like what was what's so exceptional and unique about um coming up in the north carolina tap ensemble it's not just a regular youth dance company um the way that gene led us was to empower us (sighs) he was not like a top-down artistic director leader right and yet like the company has more like the north i'm not gonna lie to you the north carolina youth tap ensemble has the largest rep of any tap dance company on the planet, like, and probably f- for time and all eternity until someone really like wants to go. No, it's insane. And I say this because Gene has been seeking opportunities for the dancers to work with all different kinds of choreographers, in since the mid to late 80s. Like it's an it's unreal. So imagine a new work almost every year, if not two. I mean it's since the 80s. yeah, literally from a South African gumboot dance and a French Canadian waltz clog to Savion Glover to Barbara Duffy to Brenda Buffalino to I'm I'm totally serious to Diane Walker. It no, <gasps> the, the rep to Sam Weber, the rep to Ted Levy, the rep <laughs> I can just keep going. It's insane. It's literally insane and like it, it doesn't make any sense. So what I'll tell you though is um Gene, you know, kind of founded this company and led it with the revolutionary, you know, very revolutionary thought that, you know, youth will lead us, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of know that, you know, we all know the children are our future, like we know this, but we were truly empowered by Gene to be internal leaders in the company. We are responsible for the rep ourselves. He'll give us notes, but we have to teach each other the rep. So when you're young, you learn it usually, unless you've learned it from the choreographer, it gets passed down to you by an older member of the company. Like it, it, we were responsible with Gene. Like we were raised doing lecture demonstrations for schools throughout the state of North Carolina before we started performing nationally and then eventually internationally, right? But that's ne- that's something that never goes away. So everyone in the company has to memorize these particular talks that are that have to do with tap dance history that introduce the different dancers or dances, sorry. And you know, we would even he let us help him come up with the set list that we would do at specific schools because there were different time limits for each school, right? There's different floor surface. There's different things that will work and won't work there, you know, and so we learned like constantly and were involved constantly. We carried things to and from, we planned, we helped I mean, like it was just especially in the early days of the company, like we literally and you know as as Jean will always say, we took class side by side at these tap festivals. so, He would study with us and then remind us of something that someone had said in class, you Mm -hmm. know, later in the year in order to synthesize Mm -hmm. the stuff that we would learn over the summer. Like, he, so I say, like, a, a lot of just my interest in comfortability with, but also like firm belief in being a part of the service that supports an organization is deeply rooted in that experience. And of course, also both my folks who worked doggedly for the things that they were passionate about. They, nothing was below them. Nothing was ever below Gene, nothing was below us. We Mm -hmm. were artists and we were also in service. Um, and there is this kind of like unique, I guess, charge also of my particular generation of tap dancer where, you know, tap dancer, where we are 100% in service of the form in part, because we were given so much before our elders passed. Right. So um, and part of that service is pursuing your voice as an individual as being a unique artist and 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 being you know the the continuing to try to be the best technician you could possibly be. I mean and, and you know uh, so everything you just mentioned, like those kinds of things like of course, and especially whenever you start your own thing, you do every damn thing at the beginning <laughs> and sometimes for way too long um you know so you and it, whether or not you knew how you learned how you know mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. So, uh, I hope that sort of, that answered that particular chunk of of thoughts.
0: It totally me. it totally does, which is now like shifting me into a different kind of question, which I am always curious like about how people work and how specifically how organisms work, whether it's like right. in the heights or the seaweed sisters or Doran's Stance at Jacob's Pillow, like it, any any like right. little moment of a thing, because it's always a balancing act, right? You don't want to. Do all the things because you're working laterally because you're believing trickle out, not trickle down um mm. you don't you don't want to trickle out so far that you're spread too thin and are no longer useful in any one of those things that you were trying to do um, absolutely and you also don't want to be like you know the great dictator whose people are afraid of and and you can see it, you can smell it at those performances i I can feel although they're great like i I'm thinking specifically about. West Side Story and Jerome Robbins and how dancers lived with like the fear in them. And yes, that made great dance, but I've also seen that really backfire. Yeah. Okay, let me back up. Here we go. So thanks to you, I was introduced virtually to Corita Griffith, who taught an incredible workshop Virtually, I think she's still doing it. I hope she's still doing it for dance educators. It's called Roots, Rhythm and Dance. Uh, no, Roots, Rhythm, Race and Dance. R3D yeah. is what it's called. I will link to it in the show notes. And um, the program helps dance educators take a holistic approach to teaching dance in a way that does not ignore the very obvious facts of our history, especially for tap and hip hop, which are black art forms. And so this program helped give me the words to explain that and the confidence to approach it. And you, a video from you was a part of that, of, of her, I think it was a six week program. And you talked about how one of your, um, works, the blues, the blues project. Yeah, exactly. Um, how it, despite how you wanted it to be presented, it got whitewashed in the press, in the marketing, in the, publication of this thing right you turn into the boss in defense of your team not against your team because when that happened you were the neck that was on the chopping block and yours was the voice that had to go out and correct or make the emails right. that helped fix the wrong the thing that went wrong so right do, do you want to talk at all or catch people up I don't know how I could better explain yeah. the, oh no what I, happened I, with I'd the blues speak a little bit
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There, I mean, so many things happened, and a lot of it also. I mean, it was such a, you know, I mean, incredibly unique and incredibly powerful work. Um, and also like I- I've never made more mistakes in my life in relationship to that show, in part due, and and this is not by any means an excuse, but like literally due to my inexperience, um, my lack of understanding, my lack of awareness, and. I mean, I was just excited for the world to experience this show um, in collaboration with Derek K. Grant, Dormisha, and Toshi Regan. So Derek K. Grant, myself, Dormisha, we co-choreographed this work. Toshi Regan composed the music and the four of us are the, you know, the collaborative creative team for the work, right? That is something I never knew I needed to put, as Diane Walker would say, on front street when communicating about um, things like press marquees
0: mm-hmm. um
1: you know what I mean like all like I was I had a really like powerful and important wake-up call from Derek and Dormisha because Toshi in part because of her experience in her in her world made sure as soon as um we first started touring this work it was being toured in concert dance in the concert dance realm right and uh it was Doran's dance in the blues project and Toshi Regan was like wait 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 no no this is Dorrance dance and big lovely and the blues project. And I go, Oh, right. Of course. Let me fix that. You know, like, yes, I, you're absolutely right. But I, you know, I, I didn't even like negotiate. I mean, granted you have a booking agent. And this was my first time ever touring anything. And so the booking agent is just interfacing with these different people granted God bless this one person. um She was eventually fired from that agency and like we lost thousands upon thousands of dollars because of things that she told me were going to be in the contract and weren't. And she had the contract. Like, I it was insane. Like, like there's so many layers of mistake making surrounding this original, like major touring push for the company. And of course it was with a huge band and guest artists. Like I created a lot of different work that just lived under my creative umbrella. And we Mm -hmm. had done those things in a lot of different places, but first time with a booking agent, first time touring with like a huge band and each of the people in the band are also their own band leaders, right? right? Two soloists that are two of the best tap dancers on the planet who are also the co-creators. Like I dropped every damn ball. And, but what was devastating about it is the implications that it had culturally. And so to learn and Toshi, you know, would go look up, uh, you know, I wasn't even I didn't go to the websites of these different presenting organizations. I had so much Mm -hmm. to do. I'd go to bed with seventy five unread emails from that day and would be behind constantly. And like she it wasn't until she was like, Michelle, they are advertising this show with images of you and Michelle. This is a black show. We need images of us. It could be you. It could be me. It could be director. It could be anybody, but not this piece that you won an award for that is not on this tour. They're whitewashing the look of this. And so that's the first thing I learned to go, okay. And I had to write and write again and write again, some of these organizations to get them to change the images on their website. And then, you know, print materials go out, but then we need to make sure things are changed in programs, right? Like, And and, the, and so I, I, just ha- I just kept learning the lesson over and over again. I didn't learn it once and go, oh, right now, you know what? Let me take 15 steps back and think, how do we need, how how's, what is the thing that we need to do to cover all our bases? I just kept putting out fires
0: and that, mm. and that's also,
1: and I, and that I honestly, like it, to bring it back to sort of the larger context of what we're discussing, and this is your theme of this particular month in this podcast, like in pursuing excellence and in pursuing your ultimate integrity, you have to have a holistic picture. You can't put out fires. You can't just go, oh, my skill set's weak here. Let me just dabble in that. Oh, oh, I need to pick this up. Oh, gosh. This is, you need to have a look at all of it and try, and and then it's sort of like um, folks that are now, everything is like done for us, but people that are interested in maximizing their cross training in a half an hour or an hour, you do moves that are multifaceted. They engage your core, they work your plyometric, you know, side of things and your stabilizers. Like let's do everything at once. Right. And that's the kind of this is the way that we want to train. And this is the way that you have to look at, you know, putting literally your best foot forward at all times. And so that the, the what is the most devastating thing to me is that I failed my friends. Right failing mm-hmm. the work failing the work is the is also is also incredibly devastating but that i failed my friends that i failed derek that i failed dormisha that's devastating that it took years for them to be properly credited in the title of the work right um and those things were oversights and that is even that's even worse and and that is that's rooted in a my ignorance b you know my uh my energy towards something that, yeah, it, the exciting thing was to share the work with audiences, right? So you're talking about that person that's looking for the gig. Now we mm-hmm. weren't necessarily looking for the gig. Tap dance had never been in these spaces in this way. This was very important to us as a culture, but even more like that's, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that's even more of a reason for me to have been that on top of it then.
0: Mm. Um,
1: And so, you know, and, and I think the one thing that, you know, I, I can continue to say from this is like, I, I'm, I'm learning constantly, but take, I'm so much better at taking a step back now in times when it has to do with the way other people are being received, um, treated, you know what I mean? Like things that I would take for granted. And also I'm someone that's too trusting. Um, I was going to say it. Y- yeah. That's a problem. Y- That's a, and I and I acknowledge that, and that is rooted also rooted in my privilege, right? That I that right. I've had that experience, that I haven't been burned so many times that I distrust everybody. It's mm-hmm. I've gotten a, a, actually a handful of like hard knocks since then, <laughs> so in in life and in, in uh, business and also in relationships. So I am much more aware. <laughs> of those really harsh and negative forces. And I think um, we're all like incredibly aware right now, as far as like the divisive and really hate filled um, energy that is kind of being pushed into our culture. And I think we need to, what we do is hopefully part of what diffuses that right. Um, Before we start like another, what could be like, you know, lifelong conversation about how we change the course of history right now. But that's oh, yeah. uh, for another talk.
0: Yeah. How <laughs> yeah. about that? Um, I will link to some work, um, some video clips from the Blues Project, and I'll add some links to the website and stuff. But I do want people to know Dermesha and Derek and specifically Toshi, who might be a name that uh, a lot of dance or choreographer listeners don't know. Um uh, is a vocalist and band member, band leader, I suppose. I would say and leader, singer, songwriter,
1: guitar player, musician. She's a composer. Yes, everything. I mean, she's an advocate for change, and she's really she's a a, a real prophet for change and activism. And and what I'll say about Toshi, I mean, this is why I'll give you like a, a little a, a brief history as to why um, I brought these particular people together, and and it was just to to tell really an abstract. But hopefully, um, deeply pervasive, like, abstract narrative of, and I mean that in that you can feel the essence of something without it having told a story that you can describe. Does that make sense? Like, I really wanted the relationship between Tapdins and the Blues as two of the earliest forms of immigrated and forced migrated America, right? So not Native American forms, but these are the earliest forms of, quote, America, right? And People often, um, you know, communicate that tap dance and jazz music are, you know, they really grew alongside each other and they did. But mm-hmm. this, what roots tap dance and blues music in the earliest, you know, period of our culture is that they were bo- both born of the plantation. And to tell this story and to and to tell the way it moved through our history and guided who we are culturally as Americans, these forms, um, I knew that very specific legacy and tradition bearers needed to be a part of creating this. And really Dormisha and Derek, like both are a part of a very specific legacy, actually where you're from Los Angeles being Paul and Arlene Kennedy. And the Kennedy legacy also dates back to Mildred Kennedy, their mom who was out of Boston, who taught Diane Walker when she was a kid and people don't all know this story, but it is deeply connected. Um, And they, they're just a, they are, both a part of this particular tradition that is um, embodied by so few people, Joseph and Joseph and Josette Wiggins both studied there as well. Chris, Christopher Broughton, there's so many different folks that study there. Um, and Toshi is the daughter of original SNCC freedom singers. So student nonviolent right. coordinating committee. Yes, yes. And, so her, and, her, and, and her mom is the founder of Sweet Honey and the Rock. Um, and so, and if you need to look anything up, or we need to leave some links, oh, well, there will and, be like all saying, the show notes
0: links. Yeah, all the show notes links. Thank you for um, that. So
1: that's why I say all of that history, and and also the sort of the legacy that this show is carrying was really important. Um, and yeah, and I think that that you know often striving for you know something that is you think is the most one of the most important things to share, you. Constantly let yourself down as a creator leader, anything, because you hold this thing to be so much higher and greater than yourself, of course, as an individual. And how could we even, this small group of people, collectively honor this tradition that bears millions, you know, if not billions, of, you know, energies and spirits and names and unnamed unnamed Mm. beings, you know?
0: I I think honestly, that's one thing that your work to me does very well is it embodies this Massive reverence and this abstraction of like, it's it, Very rarely have I walked out of your show and been like, I don't know, it's a little on the nose that you know the message was like <laughs> kind of heavy handed. <laughs> it's all it's extremely artful, and I think, I I know especially out here in Los Angeles, people love story. We love us some story characters and story. And and I love a story, and, and I love middle characters. End and yes. and you do and they're there but they're not so over you're you're you make smart work for smart audiences and i'm sorry that sometimes your booking agents aren't as smart as you and your work are that's just unfortunate <laughs> Thanks, i appreciate um, it okay so i'm i'm still like wrapping my head around this but i've had some really great like people that i admire and really look up to weigh in on this difference between being confident and being a great leader and being arrogant. And I know there are tons of people who have talks and talks and talks on this, but I like to keep things really simple. And I think that um, confidence says, I'm great. And arrogance says, I'm better than you. And anybody who has, you know, been witness to your creative process or seen one of your works on stage, you are great, my friend, and the company you keep is excellent. But the way you show up and support, defend, empower your team certainly does not say I am better than you. Um, so thank you for being an Thanks, example Dana. of what a great leader is who is not an asshole. We love it. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I I wanted to really like lay that down and just like put a pin in that. Um, now, one of the things, I'm not sure, this is, this is where I would like to land because I think that when we've had a conversation about mastery, we've talked a lot about what it means to, in general, learn from your droppings of the balls and be a good person and be respectful and work hard and do the jobs and lift the people, right? And I think there's a word for that and I think the word is honor. <laughs> um, and you gave a quote in your in the video that you made for Karita's course you said honor is the gift one gives themself and I think honor is a a, a beautiful thing and a, and a powerful idea because you don't have to wait to achieve mastery to have it and right. I think a lot of like a lot of my work that I did for organizing the dance community is about having some self-respect, have some honor, dignity and your value and your work and and, you know, your what you contribute to all of this. Um, so I wondered if you could tell me who said that, if you remember honor is a yes. gift one gives themself. And how did that come to you? How did that quote come to you? That
1: big shock that it came to me through my dad from a film, actually, and I believe it's from Rob Roy, and I believe that, you know, the original incarnation It is Honor is the Gift Man Gives Himself, of course, very... <clears throat> oh, yes. <clears throat> um, barely I like, passing like... rectal tests, film <laughs> work, I don't know. I don't mean to say that about Rob Roy, I don't know. It actually it might not.
0: Probably um, not, but, but we, we uh... like Honor is the Gift One Gives themselves themselves or oneself yes
1: (laughs) um yeah another one actually so speaking of i mean i I don't want to derail what you're what you want to say about honor as a bedrock for this kind of pursuit and that that with honor what i imagine might be a part of your thinking is that with honor comes excellence without arrogance let's hope right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and something, I think another thing that my dad has also shared with me, and um, this is from someone who was writing or speaking about elite swimmers. Um, I believe his last name is Shambliss. Um So I don't know whether this is a colleague of my dad's or someone that he encountered or shared a speaking circuit with, or, you know, I'm not entirely sure. But the idea that excellence is mundane, that excellence is Right. Think about what it takes to be excellent. Mm. Right. The pursuit of something daily.
0: Oh, yes. For That's exactly such a part part long
1: period of time. Mm-hmm. So and, and so Monday, not not to, to speak ill of the thing that we do daily forever, mm. but that practice that this kind of commitment to something that this kind of commitment to this pursuit of something Mm -hmm. must be daily, must become mundane, must be not, and I, and not in, again, not with the footnote of a a lot of the energy that comes with that word, but um, it it makes it such a humbling and humble pursuit. Mm. I think. Um, And, you know, I think this is also, we, I, the only thing I wanted to say is like, that we are part of these traditions where we met these folks that were innovators Mm -hmm. and true masters of our forms that, we are often, you know, are kind of, we stand on their shoulders that Mm -hmm. we are also in service of this form. And uh, there is so much to pursuing something that is so much bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. um, and that it is a never ending pursuit. And, you know, and that that is another thing that Gene also taught me and, uh, you know, a lot of his students that to stay whimsical, to Mm -hmm. have a beginner's mind, to never stop learning. I mean, these are things that, you know, will continue to not just make you a better technician, you know, you know, practice, you know, someone that practices a particular tradition, but a a better artist and a better person, a better spirit through which these things will come to to pass or come to place.
0: Mm. My friend, you're dropping the heavy gold nuggets here (laughs) at the end. Um, And I do think that that's a lovely place to wrap up, but I also can't help myself from continuing to talk. So I'm going to leave. I want one more. I love it. I'm going to give one more um, quote because you're that last little bit reminded me of a, a Ray Kroc quote that became kind of famous to me via one of my huge art influences, Tom Sachs. Um, Van Neistat, one of his studio interns, made a film at the time. This is like many, many, many years ago. It's called Ten Bullets. And Ten Bullets is... It might be my favorite thing on YouTube, actually. Uh, Maybe that and like some really good Hilti and Bosch or Go-Go Brothers locking videos is up there too. But anyways, in Ten Bullets, they... uh, they they talk about persistence, and um, Van reads this quote from Ray Kroc that I think is brilliant. It says, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing in the world is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Wow. Um, also written by a man for a man's perspective. But I love right. this idea. Uh for me. I put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm surrounded by people who are great. And I expect for myself to be great. I I think I've become good, if not great, because of that expectation. Mm-hmm. But also, I would rather still be here in 50 years, still doing this thing, still enjoying my body and the dance community. I, I would rather that than be like, oh, who are the greatest masters of our time? Dana Wilson. Like, I... I love the persistence part. I love the determination part. Yeah, And in my definition of what a master is, those are built in. Um, but it's worth saying, I think, for a lot of the listeners of this podcast who are on their journey, they're on the pursuit, the the notion is just like, keep going. Just be persistent, don't stop. Regardless of the education that is available to you right now, continue to pursue. Regardless of the amount of talent that you have right now, continue to pursue. Of course, go find you some great training. Go find yourself a great coach. But like, continue onward, forward, one day, one step at a time. Um, that's, that to me is an honorable act. Yeah, it's essential. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, Dana. Yeah. Yo, you're awesome, Michelle Dorrance. You're awesome. You. You're awesome. Kidding? awesome you're so awesome
1: thank you so much for having me listen i can't believe this flew by like we yeah so more fast soon, yeah please more,
0: yes more soon um thank you again for being here you are excellent i will talk to you soon thanks dana bye bye all right my friend what did you think <laughs> i love everything about this episode I'm so grateful that Michelle shared the lessons her parents sh- and early teachers shared with her. I am in awe of her reverence for her craft and her community. I truly, I think Michelle and her company are such a fabulous example of that center circle of the Venn diagram where you honor tradition and push boundaries. It's like past meets future I just I think she and her dancers do that so well, honoring the tradition and pushing the edge, leaving a legacy. I'm just, oof, I am so smitten with that. Um, I feel ready to bring more healthy competition into my work and into my life, and I'm ready to be sensitive about how I lead. Um, I'm 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 inspired to lead with honor everywhere I go, and I hope you. Are two. That is it for me today, my friends. Keep it funky. I'll talk to you later. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Bree Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you wanna talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com If you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.